Hey friends, welcome to the Victor Marks Podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Well, hello and welcome to the Victor Mark Show. I am so glad you're joining us today. We have a guest that I've actually been excited to have him on the show. I met him here at the training center, the leadership and training center. And when we did, I said, man, I got to have him on the broadcast. I'm talking about Lavoisier Cornerstone. And he's here to talk about, well, it's a range of topics. Uh, you'll find interesting from his childhood to relationships with God, current issues and fatherhood. This brother is brilliant and he's got experience in real estate, digital marketing, technology. Hey, don't laugh at me on my intro of you. I'm telling the truth, brother. This is truth. I'm, I'm your hype man. I, Cause it's true. He's a husband, father, conservative, and a brother in Christ. You can learn more about him by visiting his website. Uh, well, I'll spell it L-A-V-O-I-S-I-E-R cornerstone.com. Now let's get to the interview on today's edition of the Victor Marks Show. Hey, welcome. Hey, good to be here. You hail in the Houston Cypress area, right? Yes, sir. I'm from Houston Cypress. Originally, I'm a native New Yorker, loyal Texan. Oh, no kidding. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, how, how are you enjoying that heat during the summers? Well, it's bearable. You know, you adjust. At first, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I miss my New York winters, but uh, I'm used to it. I'm, I'm a Texan now. Good. Uh, I know I've been down there because I have family that lives in the area. Okay. There, there are some summers I'll go play around a golf or go fishing or something, and that heat will slap me right in the face. Like Yeah, uh, it sure like, will. Like I'm a naughty husband. So, right. E- e- even people who live here aren't really quite used to it. So, yeah. No, right. It's like, K-tush. hey, what was that for? Because you're here. But, yeah, once you get used to it, I, what I love about Texas, our our baby boy was born there. We lived there for years, is the sunsets, the evenings are unmatchable. I love Beautiful. it. I mean, yeah. yeah. So we are honorary Texans as well. Awesome. Well, brother, let's talk about a few things. I, I was... uh. I was caught off guard on some of our dialogue when you were here at the Leadership Training Center on that weekend. And um, the way you answered questions, I thought, well, whoa, wait a minute. This guy, <laughs> this guy's got it going on. I'm. Let me sit at his feet. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you, Victor. <laughs> so, you know, what is right now in your mind Lots going on in our nation. Yes, sir. But what do you think is one of the biggest challenges our nation is having right now? Is it racism? Is it religion? Is it the economy? Is it the border? What what do we have going on? I I hate to oversimplify, and I could be biased because it's my own life, but I would say self-mastery and the family. Personal discipline to do what one knows to do is right. And also to coalesce others around them to kind of be on the same page and get families on one accord. It doesn't mean everybody has to kind of work in the same vision, but to really get people to think through the lens of family is difficult in these days. It's like families are like attachments or extensions, not like a 
cohesive unit where we're all trying to see what God's vision is for our family, not just what college you're going to go to or what uh, job you're going to have next. And so those are the two things that I'm most greatly burdened by, whether or not they're most important. Um, you know, that's debatable. Uh, hey, I think you're spot on. Well, the, hmm. the family unit, uh, there's a fellow named James Dobson. Of course. Who, yeah, right. And he was banging the pots and pans and the symbols decades ago saying, if the family disintegrates, our nation's going to be in a heap of trouble. And mm -hmm. uh, Promise Keepers, the, the president of it, Ken Harrison, he texts me and David Harris Jr. this morning. He texts us. He goes, hey, hmm. man, I just got bland blasted by USA Today on an article because he took a position against, you know, the, the trans issue coming in. And really, right. again, the breakdown of the family. Uh, so he's he's trying to get 80,000 men in wow. this summer. Yeah, at the Dallas Cowboys Stadium for like the kickoff of a new Super Promise Keepers, uh, you know, 2.0. Wow, that's awesome. And, you know, we live in a time where there are very specific things we have to go after, but the family unit has got to be protected at all costs. It's the, it's the cornerstone of society. You know, you talk about, you know, we talk about it takes a village, right? You know, a lot of catchphrases used to catch me when I was a kid. They sounded good, but I didn't think about the foundation. So when you say it takes a village to raise a to raise a child, the assumption is that a village is made up of closely knit families. And so we kind of skip that step, step to the village and the government, um, totally skipping over or, or not with enough if an emphasis on the individual and the family, in my opinion. Well, you talk about the family, Lavoisier, and I, I want to say you don't come from the perfect family background unit, do you? No, I come from a broken family. And, um, and, the, the, and when I became an adult and became a Christian, uh, when I got married as a 20-year-old, it was a blended family, immediate father, fresh from mm. the streets and the projects, got saved, got married like a year and change later. And now I'm also, 14 years later, failed in my first marriage, full responsibility I take for it. And now I'm married again, also in a blended family. So sometimes, you know, when, when I talk, I'm talking from the perspective of personal advocacy for myself, talking to the younger me's and people who don't realize the cost that they're going to have to pay for the things that they weren't taught. And so I'm really sounding the alarm to say, hey, listen, I'm not talking to you from the pedestal. I'm talking to you from the valley. Oh, man, I love this. You know, oftentimes people in your position they feel like they can't say anything or it's hypocritical mm -hmm. because you didn't come from a good family. Your marriage failed. Why, what are you going to talk to me about, dude? Right. So they feel, oh, uh, but actually to me, mm -hmm. people who walk with a limp from life, they're the ones you need to listen to. You know, you and I love to pull up a chair and listen mm -hmm. to <laughs> the old guy, right? Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. The older, the better. And right. just say, you know, I used to, I used to love going to convalescent homes, hmm. my wife and we'd bring our baby. We were a young family and we'd offer our, our baby for women to hold, you know, they're in there like, ah, oh, wow. 90 years old holding a baby. Yeah. And I'd be like, well, just put a pillow underneath it in case she drops it. But I'd find, <laughs> I'd find the old dude. I'd find a dude who, and I'd look at him. I'd say, Hey. I bet you got some stories. Mm -hmm. And he'd look at me. I might. 
I'd say I, I would treasure him if you talked to me a little bit. I was in my 20s. Wow. Yeah. That's a powerful way to learn apart from mm-hmm. college, you know, apart from people who aren't readers, literally getting the stories from the person. And I'd always ask this, man, what would you do different? Wow. That's good. Right? Right. Because that's where you get some of their deepest wisdom. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other question I love asking is, what keeps you up at night? Wow. And they would go, oh, yeah. But I appreciate guys like you. You're not no kid anymore. You ain't 19, 20 no, on sir. the block. And you've got wisdom. And I'm, you know, compared to you, I'm definitely an oldster. But I recognize wisdom from younger men. And that's why I want to mm. have you on the program. So what what would you tell, let's see, and we'll talk inner city. Inner city, kid of color, right? not from a great background. What would you tell him knowing he doesn't have, while I don't believe in systemic racism, I personally believe in prejudice. I believe in uh, poverty. Definitely doesn't make things, all things equal, right? I mean, that's just a, that's a reality. But for sure, you can't be a victim at all. You can't say, oh, well, yeah, that's why, you know, when this whole thing came out and I'll get back to get your answer. But when this whole thing came out about the, you know, white men privilege, that's what it was. Right. The white privilege. Me, I was like, tell me about my white privilege. I was was raised in a trailer park. My mom was married six times. I went to 14 schools. Wow. Let me know where that privilege came in. That's why. Stereotypes are, are dangerous, but individual prejudice, uh, l- lack of opportunity because of poverty. And I believe everyone should be given the right to have an opportunity. Now, what they do with that? For sure. I've given a lot of people opportunities. They didn't do right by it, and that was their choice. So what would you tell that young kid, man, inner city, who's maybe making up excuses or being a victim and some of it valid would you say to him i I love that you said some of it is valid because there's a lot of problems for people who are it's not it's not their fault but it's ultimately their responsibility i like that wait a minute wait a minute i gotta pause for a second that's one of that lavoisier's nuggets what did you just say it's not their fault but it's their responsibility Ultimately, it's your responsibility because no one, no one's coming to save you. You, you know what I'm saying. And so, when it comes to even opportunity, even that is a matter of vision. Some people sit around and they look at, you know, Blockbuster and they say, "Well, I think there's a better way to do this." And some people say, "Well, hey, what are you talking about?" So, so ultimately, even the idea of equal opportunity is a bit subjective because what people do with some things based on the vision and the perspective and the outlook and the hope that they have is vastly different from what someone else would do with the same resources. So that's where I start. I start to kind wow. of get them to take an inventory wow. of what is your human capital? Because I come from a place where I don't have a degree. Everything I know pretty much, I went to, uh, got my real estate license a couple of years ago, but I'm pretty much self-taught. My wife, uh, we're married. She didn't have a college degree or barely got her GED when she was younger. She was a teen mom. She now just quit her first real job that we had since we were married from a skill that she learned on her cell phone. Wow. Right. There was a time, there was a time when knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, um, wasn't so accessible. So now 
the, you know, if you, if you believe in the elites distracting people, it's all about the distraction. Because I joke with young people. I say, you can use YouTube to learn how to do open heart surgery or how to cook crack. Either way. True. And True what you do and what you do with the advantage that you have in the information age, no one can do that for you. Okay. So let's unpack that because that, folks, if you didn't hear what he was saying is the opportunity for equality that doesn't necessarily mean things will turn out good. And it's easy for people to go, well, dude, you had the opportunity, brah, you had the opportunity. It goes back a little bit further about what is your mindset? There you go. And I, boy, I really do get that. So a lot of times because of your background, look, if your mom was a crack whore, trust me, it's not the same if your mom was a PTA gal who is, you know, you are raised with these mindsets of, I can't, uh, I'm not good enough. And it turns into anger because you know there's an injustice to it or I'm not valuable. Uh, I personally don't matter or I'm not valuable. You know, I've reached kids incarcerated for years, 20 years, more than. Right. And I would look at a kid and say, dude, you're, you're a leader. Where you are is not who you are. You're a leader. I can tell, man, the way kids look up to you. Come on, what are you going to do with that? You can see it. You see it, right? And I go, look, but you're going to have to change your mindset. You're going to have to believe in yourself, and you are the one who's going to have to rescue you. You'll be given opportunity, but don't pull the grenade and explode it on yourself because you think Mm. they're going to disappoint me or I'm going to fail. I'm I'm telling people listening right now, success can be as scary as failure. Because you're you're just like I won't be able to live up to it. I, I'm gonna wow. If I if I make it to a certain level, the pressure is gonna be on me. Imposter syndrome. Yes. Yep. I, if you're listening right now, like one young lady told me recently, hey, I know God wants to do more through my life than I'm currently at, and I'm like, don't you let the enemy, you know, rob you of what God wants to do. Right. Right. Well, well, when I, when I hear you say that, that is where the personal responsibility ethos comes from. I know it's a, you know, it's a political buzzword and it's been kind of thrown around in circles for decades, but the ethos of personal responsibility for me came from the Bible. And because when I was in the projects ministering to kids in Red Hook, Brooklyn, I wasn't saying that someone else was responsible for getting their life out of where, where it was. And so when, when I think about my life, I, when, when I honestly ask myself, Victor, am I doing all that I know to do in every area of my life to improve my situation? I'm not talking about the things I can't control. I'm not talking about the resources I don't have. Am I making the most of the time and opportunity I have in front of me? And most times in the most difficult seasons of my life, even when my difficulties were real, I had to be honest with God and say, no, Lord, I'm not doing everything that I could be doing with what I have in front of me. And when I got that mentality, before you know it, when you start taking care of, you know, A, B, and C, D, E, and F start worrying about themselves. <laughs> I love it. You're bringing faith into the conversation and hmm. faith's almost becoming a cuss word these days. Right. Where, you know, it's a balance between having faith in God, letting what you and I would think that let the Bible guide us let the Bible give us a moral code. And the, the world, the culture wants to change that. Right. Uh, and th- there's a danger. Do you audit or control what you listen to or watch 
to make sure you're not being swayed. And I'm not talking about some hyper whatever, you know, I like music of all genres. I love movies. I, you know, I, right. you know, but are you kind of conscious of that? 100%, 100%. And I, I try not to be the arbiter for other people um, mm-hmm. because the, the scales can differ, but 100%, I see the difference in my mindset and my mentality and my attitude, depending on what I watch and listen to. And, and it's, it's a really fun game because you can justify watching almost anything or listening to right. almost anything for any reason. If you want, it really is a matter of personal accountability to say, is this healthy? Like, I love this show. I love the storyline. I love the drama, but you know what? Full frontal nudity might not be something I need to see every week. Right. And, and I'm sitting in anticipation for, for this television show, but it's presenting nudity and sexuality to me. Is that healthy for me? Because when I was a young Christian, I used to ask, is God okay with it? Right. Mm. With, with certain, whatever. Now that I'm a mature Christian, I ask, is that best? Ooh. Because you can kind of, you can kind of get by for a long time on, is, is it really a problem or is God cool with that? I don't think God has too much of a problem with that too. Is this the highest and best use of my time uh, and my mind? And that change changes what I watch a little bit. You know, you see, that doesn't sound legalistic. That sounds like someone truly designed to be the best that they can be in the life. Because, again, a lot of people, I, I hear people say, oh, what I watch, what I listen to doesn't affect my life. Hmm. And I'm looking at their life going, hmm. oh, really? Right. Now, I live in a world where oftentimes even teammates or people we're reaching are potty mouths. And I've had a potty right. mouth too. You, you, you kind of get right. into it and you're like, oh, I... for sure. Me too. Seasons in my life right. for sure. Right. But I, I'm aware of what I watch or listen to because I do think it can affect our soul. Uh, where, and again, I don't know why we're talking about this. The young person uh, who, or maybe an adult, or I'll tell you this you'll send mixed signals if you're watching something that's not good to a child right i remember hearing this if you're really tuning into some sexually suggestive stuff and you have a daughter young daughter knowing you're watching that that's building right. her value structure and goes sure well, hey if my daddy think that's cool i guess other men and i need to be like that i need to be sexualized it might not be so bad right so we i think there's that level of folks be careful but you know what victor some something good you said if i may um when I hear people say that what they watch and listen to doesn't affect them, it's one of the most discouraging things because there's an idea that like the weak minded get influenced by what they watch and see. And, and that that's a nice deception because corporations know otherwise. There's a reason why there's a premium on that Super Bowl commercial. So so we like to feel like, well, you know, if, if you're influenced, it's just because you're weak minded. But corporations do not spend billions to get your attention because it doesn't work. You are programmable. It's not a matter of weak or strong. The Bible says good, bad company corrupts good character. You're stronger than human nature. So it's, it's not a matter of uh, uh, strength and weakness by comparison to someone else. It's the way God made us. God made us to be influenced by the environment that we're around. And so when you're sitting around, listen, I have songs that I have not liked for anything until I heard it a million times. And I say, this song's not so bad. I kind of like it. Mm. Or a friend of mine to bring a new slang or a new usage of phrase or turn a phrase in the culture that I don't like. And they'll start using it for weeks. And I'm like, that's so annoying. I hate when you say that. Next thing you know, I'm saying it. So it's like, (laughs) 
this deception that we have that our minds are not malleable and able to be influenced is is actually I think counter to scripture even the Bible even tells us so so I say that to say when you watch Seinfeld for hours on end you are hanging out with Elaine right and and George because you, there's a mindset there's a worldview there are writers there's music meant to amplify your emotion uh, last point on this. Why is it that people cry in a movie theater, but you can show them the same tragedy in a newspaper and they feel nothing? Uh, Don't tell me that what you watch does not affect you. It absolutely does. Wow. You know, folks, we're talking about messaging at this point and the intentionality. I've I've been involved in counter-messaging, uh, terrorism and extreme thought overseas uh, and through wow. social media. And that's why some bad people would like to see me with nothing on my shoulders and oh, wow. we chuckle because we go well without god's permission that'll never happen um mm, indeed but i love what you're saying and you know words create worlds yes sir. and consistent messaging i can watch and listen to anything uh, i mean from gratuitous violence to porn to anything i mean we go to the porn conventions right there are there are things we subject ourselves to but the motive and the purpose and the mission behind it is very intentional. Yes. And some people think they can play with fire and not get burnt. You better be very, very careful. Because, again, this messaging, I mean, a funny TV show is Modern Family. Right. I mean, great writers, actors. And yet, and let's talk about the, you know, the two men that are married or got married on it. Uh, mm -hmm. The writers, I've seen some, you know, behind the scenes stuff. Uh, a lot of the writers are homosexual and that's, they're promoting the lifestyle. It's not, right. it's not just, uh, and actually I, I love some of the writing, uh, you know, full disclosure people, I love how the reality of being gay, married to the same sex person, trying to raise it, you know, there's hardships, but at the end of the day and looking at stuff behind the scenes, I just go, I hope people realize there's a narrative and messaging going on to lower people's standards of the values that we hold to biblically. And again, you know, look, people have a right to choose. Right, for sure. I'm all for that. I got a lot of friends. I love a lot of people in that lifestyle. But yet I tell them, do I have to agree with your lifestyle in order to love you? Because I, right. I don't. If that's offensive to you, uh, you certainly don't maybe don't agree with some things I do. For sure. Uh, but I, I'm not going to compromise the values that I have just to try to win your affection or whatever. Now, real quick, brother, we got to talk about you're the founder of Grow the Heck Up. What yes, sir. is Grow the heck that up. about? What? Tell us. Well, uh, I'm kind of on a, what you might call a bit of a hiatus. I still post on our social platforms. But as a young Christian, I kind of looked around and I wanted a broader conversation in the context of Christianity. I, I noticed two things. I noticed that when I wanted something outside of the realm of entertainment, uh, it was all older people. You know, if I wanted to talk money, it was like Dave Ramsey. If you want deeper theology, it's like John Piper. And I said, there has to be some competent sound voices of younger people from different walks of life and background and all different races that have something to say to their generation, right? And the other side of it is that, you know, I would sit in church 
And I would go without knowledge, wisdom, and understanding of people who were all around me because the doors and lines of communication weren't open. I didn't think to ask. They didn't think to tell me. It's almost like, why am I overweight when I'm sitting diagonal in church from a personal trainer who could probably give me the best tips in the world? I'm struggling financially. The guy over there is an accountant, my first accountant, first black accountant I've ever seen, grew up across the street from 50 Cent in the project. I said, well, hey, people need to hear from you. So I kind of put them on my blog. And, and so I just wanted to bring competent voices to the world um, that people weren't used to seeing. And, and then also in the East, when you think about growing up, you know, they don't have a adolescence most times. It's just mm. child or adult. That's why the rites of passage in a lot of the other countries, 11, 12, 13, 14. Here, we give them this gap to play around with. And then we say, here's $100,000. Learn how to pay it back on your own. And so when you don't have a father, which is one of my deep burdens as well, when you don't have a father, you're paying double the price for what you don't know. And, and you can afford to less. So it was kind of like, grow the heck up because life's going to come at you fast and you need to learn what you need to know. Mm. And it's based on 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things, you know, in between. Well, how is this? This is, has this surprised anybody to have a voice this articulate with that much insight? And I'm grateful for my guest. And I want you to go to his website, Lavoisier cornerstone.com i'm gonna spell it l-a-v-o-i-s-i-e-r cornerstone.com you gotta learn more about this brother he is a treasure thank you sir thank you for being on the program today can you hang around sure thing and let's do another one there's too much good stuff flowing right now that'd be great hey wherever you are whatever you're doing make sure you do it for the glory of god that's mission for the master and you feel the purpose of your life. It's so much better than just doing stuff on your own, swinging for the wind. But do it for the glory of God, full throttle. God bless you, now go get it done. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.